Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for volunteering on a week where you had to read the word prostitute. Uh, And be thankful that it wasn't in the King James Version, because it's a much stronger word there. Is the word in the King James. So let's get that out right out front. So there you go. That's what we're talking about today. That is the topic. The topic is a prostitute and a beast, and this prostitute rides on this beast. And if this is your first time here, God bless you for coming on a week where we're going to discuss what a prostitute and what this, uh, the prostitute's riding on this beast. And so just so you know, we, we don't believe there's a literal prostitute riding a literal beast with literally having 10 heads, at least not most of us. And if you do uh, hold to that interpretation, that's completely fine. There is room for all of us to have different interpretations when it comes to Revelation. Uh, it shouldn't matter about how we interpret it as long as we all get to the same conclusion, which is Christ is victorious and his kingdom's come and we will live in it for eternity. So, a prostitute and a beast. We believe some crazy stuff as Christians, right? And we sang about some of it this morning. We just participated in a feast, a meal, where we're, we're, you know, orthodoxy would say we're eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood. That's weird. And even if we, you know, our uh, take on it is it's representative. So, we're we're representatively eating the body and and drinking the blood. We're remembering this meal together. We're having this feast that we'll get to next week in Revelation uh, 20 and 21. We'll be talking about this great wedding banquet and this feast. But we get to have that meal every week when we gather together as Christians. But that's weird. And so, I just want you to understand today that even in the weirdness of all this, embrace it embrace it, and understand that a lot of what we're talking about in Revelation is allegory and apocalyptic language. And you remember the reason for that apocalyptic language, right, and this imagery is to draw us in, is to make us feel something just as much as for us to know something. And so the writer, John, and he sees these visions, wants us to feel something today when we leave this place, whether it be the stern warning that we're going to get, or whether we understand where we're headed as Christians that we can get away from this seductress and this prostitute who wants to own us. So let's just jump right in. Now look, today there's no slides back here. That's my fault. I didn't have all that ready in time. So don't blame the guys in the booth. Uh, Instead, would you just grab a Bible? There's Bibles in the, uh, the, the chairs in front of you, right underneath it in the little chair basket, or you can use your app. It's gonna be the best way to follow along, I promise. Uh, Because we've got to get into some crazy stuff. But while you're doing that, Revelation is, of course, in the very back, and we're going to start in Revelation 17. So as you turn in there, just let me go ahead and get it out. We'll talk about this now. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Georgia fan. You know who I am and where I'm from and where I went to school. And so just in our interpretation, particularly in Athens, of what the prostitute and the beast is, I think we saw last night, (laughs) the prostitute is Nick Saban. And he's riding on the University of Alabama as the beast, constantly here to destroy our hopes and dreams, right? Uh, And look, okay, right. So I appreciate those who are in the room today who came to gloat. Um, But for the rest of you who are licking your wounds, look, we might still have a chance, so that's great news. There's always hope, right? That's what we do. We keep believing. We keep believing. But just like that game last night, yesterday, and just like any other type of event where you have to choose a side, that's what John is telling us today. He's been telling us that through Revelation and through, the, through these uh, revelations that he gets, these pictures that he gets, these windows we've been talking about that he sees in heaven. He's telling us, you're going to have to choose a side. 
And more, more than likely, you've already chosen a side. You either belong to, you're a citizen of the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and earth when they come down. You're part of that city or you're a citizen of Babylon. And we're gonna talk about what that means in just a minute. So let me give you in like three minutes, hold on. This is the recap of Revelation so far. Ready? Okay, throne room. Revelation 1, we get, and then we're going to get this uh, letter to the churches, seven churches. And this letter, Revelation, is going to explain a lot of things that are happening in, this, in, in the cosmos, in the, uh, in the heavenlies, that are just as real as what's happening right now in front of you. And he wants to reveal this to John so that we get to see these pictures. We get to Revelation 5, and there's a scroll rolled up, and it's got seven seals on it. Remember this part? And no one's worthy to open the scroll except... oh. The lamb who looks who is, as if he has been slain. Jesus himself breaks the seals. And with each seal, we see like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've heard all this language before. And we see these things happening because the lamb is worthy to open the scroll. He's, he can break those seals. And with each seal comes some sort of judgment. And we said that was uh, some sort of um, reminds us and gives us the perspective uh, from the, the persecuted church who this letter was originally written to. So they're hearing that wrath and all being poured out on, on uh, the enemy, and they're going, oh, yes, we're going to win. The persecuted church wins. And so we get to the end of that seal, and we kind of uh, sense that the story's over, and then no, it's not. So the, the seventh seal rolls right into the seven angels with seven trumpets, Revelation 8 through 11. And, and we see, again, more judgment kind of pronounced and wrath poured out but again, now the believers are not um, destined for that wrath, and we're protected from the blood of protected from that wrath through what Jesus has done for us. And we get to the seventh trumpet, and it sounds like it's over again. And we talked about it, uh, I think, last week or the week before. This uh, literary device called recapitulation that John uses. So we see these series of seven different things that happen from different perspectives, so that we get a totality and a big picture of what's really happening right now what's happening right now in our lives. We get to Revelation 12, and then we saw John, he sees into a window, and there's a pregnant woman and a dragon. Remember, this is crazy stuff, y'all. This is crazy stuff we're reading about. So this, this dragon who we know is the Satan, and he's trying to destroy the pregnant woman, and we believe that that pregnant woman is giving birth to Jesus, who is the child who, who breeds into, believes, grows into the church. Like, it's the child, it's the church, it's all of those things in one thing, and this dragon is waging war. But Christmas Day, right, we see that God in flesh comes to live amongst us. He's Emmanuel, and he is born into, this earth, born into this world. And what happens then is the dragon is defeated and thrown down to earth. And now he's trying to destroy everybody who believes in Jesus. That's what the dragon is trying to do. Revelation 13, we see the dragon then summoning up two beasts. And Kurt talked about this so well a couple of weeks ago. The two beasts, one being like this religious power that's a beast. And then we saw this... Uh, infused state, like whether it's uh, political or governmental, but we saw these two beasts and the religious, the false religion wants to point to the, oh man, bow down to the state, do what they say. That's so great. They're going to take care of you. They're going to be everything you want. And then we get to Revelation 15 and 16. Last week, seven bowls of wrath poured out with these angels. And again, another recapitulation and another perspective that we see from the tent or the heavenlies. And then we get to today. You good? Was that three minutes? So in today's passage, 17, 18, and 19, what we see is the beast comes back again. We see the beast again, the beast of the state that we saw in 13. 
And this time it's written by a prostitute. And let me just tell you this about her. She is hot. I hate saying it. It seems weird and like dirty. But she is a seductress. And she wants you and I to follow her and give our hearts to her and to the state and to the... So Revelation 17, let's just read and let's get in here today. Revelation 17, 1. One of the seven angels who had just poured out the seven bowls came over and spoke to me and he says, come with me. Now some people say this is Jesus as one of this, these angels. I don't know, we left open to interpretation, but here it comes and he says, come with me. He said, I will show you. That's probably the sound in heaven right there. He says, and I will show you the judgment that's going to come to the great prostitute who rules many waters and the ruling over many waters would be Babylon. That's how we get a little uh, peek into who she is. But he says, come with me. He tells John, come with me and I'm going to show you the judgment. And that's like, yes, because we're going to win. That's going to be awesome. Verse two, the kings of the world have committed adultery with the prostitute. And the people who belong to this world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness, and there I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls, and in her hand held a gold goblet full of obscenities and impurities of her immorality. Verse 5, a mysterious name written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus. And I stared at her in complete amazement. Now we've talked about uh, ideologies, the forehead, something written on the forehead is just an ideology. We don't really literally believe there's going to be a mark put on your forehead. Not most of us. Some of us do, and that's fine too. But it's just, it just it represents an ideology. And this is, we're, we're told that what's written there is Babylon the Great. She is Babylon. She is the prostitute, which Babylon is like the city of rebellion. It's the city that's built by men. It, it, it originates from Genesis 11. You guys know that story, the Tower of Babel and how you know, man wanted to rebel against God and be his own thing and built this tower. And God said, no, you can't do that. And he scattered the, the uh, people around and all the nations and changed their language into which we then get these cities called Babylon. And whether the city is a real city that exists in history or whether it's just mentioned all throughout scripture, it always represents a rebellious city against God. Babylon's never a good thing, okay? And so here she is, the prostitute is Babylon. She is this um, seductress who wants you to follow her. And so in the first century, just look at verse 9, what maybe the readers here in the first century when this letter went out to them, uh, who, who lived under the rule of Rome. So when they hear in verse 9, this calls for a mind with understanding. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. Geographically, Rome is situated on seven mountains, and so Rome itself used to host a festival called the Festival of the Seven Mountains. So I don't think John's trying to hide anything here. He wants the readers who are hearing this for the first time to know who he's talking about, right? This Babylon, this prostitute, this beast, that's Rome, and so they all understand it as that, and they go, this is not a good thing, this Rome, this Babylon, this city that man has built that does not bend the knee to God. And so, 
Who, what, is, what is Babylon today? What is, what is the, the beast today? And it, it's left up to interpretation, but I would just posit this today for us is that the, the prostitute is riding the back of, uh, of the beast is still whatever draws your attention away from God. It's whatever seduces your heart and wants to grab onto it. And it's what you spend your time and your energy and your thoughts on. It's not of the Lord. And then what is this city then? What is, what, what is this beast rather? What is the beast currently? It depends on where you live and what it is, what governmental structure or what thing you bow the knee to. What it should be always is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. And so just look how promising and seductive this prostitute can be. Look in verse two. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. The kings, the kings of the world. And people who belong to the world have been made drunk by the wine of her immorality. Even the people of the world have fallen for this prostitute. See, we're constantly seduced by this woman because she's so good at it. I mean, she promises you comfort. She promises you pleasure. She promises that you'll be accepted just the way you are. She promises you any type of sexual perversion. She promises you wealth and retirement. She promises you ease. She promises you power. She promises you autonomy. You can be your own king. She promises that you will be constantly entertained. I'm bored. She promises you stuff. And what she says over and over, and you know, you know this, and I know this because you've heard it. I have what you need. I'll make you happy. You deserve to be happy. So indulge. And that is this whisper of the seductress, the prostitute, who makes a promise she can never fulfill. Because think about what it, that's, what, uh, that's what prostitutes do, right? They promise you something. But there's a transaction, and in the end, you lose. And y'all, <laughs> she looked good. She's fine. It's so easy to fall into a trap, not just kings, all of us. And what she offers sounds great. It sounds so good. Look, this letter of Revelation, this, this revelation is written to the church. So this warning is not to those who are outside the church. I mean, yeah, they're already, they've already fallen prey to the prostitute and the beast. This is a warning to us, guys. This is a warning to us, the church. This woman, fine, she knows what she's doing, and she will grab your affections so quickly. So be aware, be on guard. And you might hear the word prostitute and go, no, uh-uh, not me. No, listen, in verse, the backside of verse six, when John says, I stared at her in complete amazement. He's got an angel or Jesus himself standing next to him, right? John, the beloved disciple, the one at the Last Supper, laid his head upon Christ and rested there. This John is staring in complete amazement. At least he has, you know, the guts to say it. At least he writes it down. That's how good and seducing this prostitute is. And look what the angel or Christ maybe even says. He says, hey, 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 bounce your eyes. Don't look at her. What's wrong with you? Why are you in such amazement? Because that's how good she is, y'all. That's how attractive she is. If kings are drawn to her, if John is drawn to her and stands and looks in, amazed, in amazement, don't think for a second that you and I can't be. 
That is what the enemy wants, is to take our affections away from the Lord. George Eldon Ladd, in his commentary called The Kingdom of God, this is a quote he has. I thought it was just beautiful for today. He says, the main thought of chapter 17, the main thought is that with the promise of wealth and luxury, the woman, the city, she entices men away from the worship of God. The game, the war that you and I are caught up in is this game of seduction that ends in destruction where this woman and this beast are trying to get you to stop worshiping Jesus, to stop submitting to Jesus, to stop exalting Jesus, to stop enjoying Jesus, and instead to find your comfort and purpose in temporary, hollow, and ultimately unsatisfactory things. So be alert. Be on guard. And as Sammy constantly reminds us in the eldership team and the pastors to guard your heart, of course, which is from Scripture, but Sammy's always sharing that with us. Guard your heart, be on guard. And that's really the warning. That's the message for today. And it's heavy, but we've all felt it. No one has escaped this seductress. And as I'm even talking about it, you're like, oh, I know, man, I know. And it's gross. And I get lured in and I don't even know and, But here's the good news in it. At the end of chapter 17, it shows that the beast that she's riding on actually turns on her and destroys her. And this is the work of the Lord. The Lord has prepared that to be the way. The beast, the structures of political and government that that we we so trust, actually turns on her. There's a reason for that. That once the beast is done with you, it doesn't have to keep tricking you anymore. Once you're hooked, right? Like once you're hooked in, you've taken the bait, there's there's no need to keep trying to trick you. Like, it's a slow drift, so let me try to explain. No one, I don't think, wakes up in the morning and meets, like, sits on the end of the bed with a demon, right? Let's just be like, okay, it's crazy. The demon, right there, and the demon goes, hey, I'd love to wreck your marriage today and have you probably addicted to something in, like, you know, today. And you don't go, ah, oh, you know what? I had a vision for my life. That sounds exact, lines up exactly. Let's do it. No one, does, right? We're not that crazy. Well, most of us are not that crazy. But how many of us get there? And there's a reason we get there. It's not because we woke up and said, yeah, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to wreck my life, ruin my marriage. No, it's a slow drift. It's being seduced moment by moment by moment. And not from some Thing, but from some one, some enemy that wants your heart and you've given it to Jesus. So church, be on guard, guard your heart. And I say it's good news because here's what happens, this bait and switch, and I gotta explain it even like this. I know some of you guys in here have been fishing before and you know this, and women, you're gonna, you're gonna catch on to this one, I promise. We use bait. And let's say you don't even use live bait. Let's say you use like a lure, a fishing lure. What's the, what is the fishing lure meant to look like? the real thing. And sometimes they look better than the real thing. I mean, they're like, the technology today, these things are looking really sharp, really cool. Some of you guys might be into that stuff and you know better than I do. But in order to catch the fish, you don't just throw a lure out there with no hooks on it, do you? You don't hope they're tricked into jumping in the boat. Some of you guys probably do. No, every one of those lures that look just like the real thing, that are meant to look just like the real thing, They have the sharpest razor hooks, sometimes multiple sets of them. 
that the fish is so enamored with this delicious thing that's going by that he doesn't even see the hooks. He just, just takes the bait. Set the hook. And you're on the hook. No, no more need to try to fool you, fish. I got you. And that's how the enemy works. That's how the seductress works. And then eventually it's this bait and switch. And so then the, the beast says enough with uh, Babylon and she's destroyed. And that's getting into then 18 and 19. And it just gets us to really what I, I wanted to, to get to here at the end is what Christ offers us. It's so much better. It's so much richer and more real and more freeing than what the prostitute wants us to believe. What she offers is empty. And what Christ offers is abundant. And if you're, if you're, if you're saying, yeah, I've done that. I, I've signed the line, I'm in. Then I would just say, Christian, today, be warned and be on guard. That's the message to you today. And know that when you took the bait, because I've taken the bait, we've all got that lure hanging out of our mouth, right? There's no one in here who hasn't been fooled and, and taken that step. I mean, I used to, I used to, I, my pride was so large at one time, I used to, couldn't wait to announce my name and title. It's just ugly. I couldn't wait to go, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm VP of blah, blah, blah. And it was so ugly. It, like, looking back now, I go, man, I was just seduced into it. I mean, everybody wants a raise, right? Everybody wants a title. Everybody wants to, no, it was a trap. It was a trap. Not that the, the title is the trap. You do good work, you get promoted, that's great. It's when it becomes what you go for. It's when it becomes the real thing in your life. And it does not satisfy the real thing, the real position is being in Christ Jesus. That's the real position. And we're even toying with, and this is a sidebar, we're even toying with taking some of the titles away here at church. Like, if we're, like I'm a staff member here at church. That's what I am. I'm not, whatever, executive pastor. <laughs> what is that? What is that? It's a title. It might describe part of my job function, but I don't want it. I'm a child of God. Called to minister to God's people. Part of this family. I'm your brother, your sister. That's my title, family. Because what Christ offers us is just so much better. And so whatever like thing that has hooked you, right? Like whatever bait you've you've grabbed onto and the hooks have gotten into you, whatever that is for you today, know this. Jesus snips the line. Just like that. No net for you. You're not going to get dipped up, right? And, you're, and so when we get to next week, when we get to talk about what it is to come in here even every week and have that meal together, that meal with Jesus, and the next week when we start talking about what it looks like really in the future and how beautiful and how extravagant it is, it's not just a piece of bread and a cup of juice, man. It is like the table is set. And here we are. We're going to be sitting around that table with lures hanging out of our mouth. You get what I'm saying? We didn't, we're not going to come in there because look how good we did missing all those fake baits that were thrown at us. No, we're coming in with them hanging off of us. Just a line snipped. Freedom from the enemy. Freedom from the seductress and this beast. 
freedom only found in Christ. So the message today, church, be on guard. Be on guard. And then we can get to Revelation 19, the way in which Jacob read and started today. After Babylon, after the prostitute has been defeated, we hear another sound like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Just listen to that. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. All real things, not at all fake, not at all empty and hollow. Because verse two, because his judgments are true and just and he has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and he has avenged the murder of his servants Verse three, and again, their voices rang out because one time is not enough. Again, their voices ring out. Praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Oh yeah, Babylon is destroyed and we will forever be reminded. Don't go back there. That is burned up. See the smoke? Still burning. Don't go back there. Bounce your eyes, John. Bounce your eyes. Verse four, and then the 24 elders and the four living beings, they all fell down and they worshiped God who's sitting on a throne and they cried out, amen, I agree, I'm with you, count me in, praise the Lord. And that's how this section ends. Next week, we're gonna talk about the wedding feast. Next week, we're gonna talk about the millennium and for all you guys who are into that stuff, the pre-millennium, the amillennium, the post-millennium. So that'll be fun. Somebody else will explain that one to you. So you'll have fun with that. I do want to remind you, uh, Monday night, December the 20th, is our last dive deeper about Revelation. And that's just where we get together, a couple of us, and we talk about all the different perspectives and interpretations, and we have fun going back and forth with that. So love for you to be a part of that. Going to have really like two um, different perspectives this time. So uh, I think you'll appreciate that. I just want to ask you today. Today, who will you serve? Because today you've been reminded that there is someone who's chasing after you hard, trying to steal your affection, and it's not the real thing. So who will you serve? Who will you follow? Who will you bend the knee to? Man, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. All right, let's pray together. Father, you have been so good to us and you've shown us again and again how faithful you are to us and and today just as you remind us and as you warn us I pray you will also give us the strength and the power and that salvation so we will not be tempted we'll not be seduced any longer we know this now so Lord let our eyes be opened every day every moment every thought let it be held captive to you let it be for you and about you. And when we do, when we do find ourselves standing in amazement and staring at this seductress, Lord, would you lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in that, we will give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And we will say, like these 24 elders, praise the Lord. 
Amen and praise the Lord. Man, thank you guys so much for being here today. Uh, Again, come back next week. We're going to have a feast, literally. We're going to have a feast. So be here for that. All right, y'all have a great day.